living in a place of curiosity, like, why do I do this? Where did it come from? Um, I was riddled with guilt and it's, I still have it like sometimes, but I'm like, is staying small or not taking that action benefiting my life or taking away from it? And that's just how I'm constantly thinking. Is this action or inaction going to benefit me or take away from? And because I know now that taking away from me is not taking away from anybody else. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 377 with guest Heather Chauvin. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad you are here. And I am especially pumped this morning as I record this introduction for you. And I think it's because of a few reasons. First reason being that I got my inbox down to zero. And... I know that might not be a big deal for some of you who maybe keep your inbox at zero or who don't care at all, like you don't feel overwhelmed by seeing thousands of emails in your inbox, many of them unread. But it it just gives me this feeling of weight, of a little bit of overwhelm at times. And so last night, I was done working on all all the kind of big to-dos, and I said to myself, I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to organize it all. I replied to every email that I needed to and got it down to zero. I mean, even my promotions folder and the updates folder, like all of it, all of it, all of it. And I woke up this morning and there was only two new messages in my inbox and I felt like a million bucks. The other reason is that I have committed to, I have an Apple Watch and it's very, um, I mean, the, the gamification does something to our brains. And you can close your rings. Those of you that have smartwatches understand what I'm saying. I committed to closing my rings five days a week, mostly because I can very much tell a difference when I am exercising regularly, the positive effect it has on my mental health. And I've known this for a long time, but finally I was like, you know what? I'm done with it being inconsistent. Uh, Winter is just not... It's not a excuse anymore because I have a place in my garage to work out. So I've been doing that. I'm on three weeks now. I feel amazing. And the last reason I am feeling so pumped is that we have a lot of awesome things that are coming up over here. Oh my gosh, just just a list of them. There's some big, awesome changes coming to the podcast. And I know it can be a little bit irritating when people are vague like that and you're like, I need to know, I don't like surprises. But I can assure you that they're all great. They're all great. We have a new podcast series coming up that is gonna be in its own separate feed because I have a very, very strong feeling that there are gonna be a lot of you who want to have it in its own special place so you can listen to it over and over again. It's, you know, think of it as being the Rocky theme song that you did not know that you needed. (laughs) Cannot wait to release that to you. We're doing a special interview series coming up in a couple of months. There's going to be an opportunity for gifts and prizes from me. We are having people getting coached on the podcast coming up. I know I haven't done that in many months. All because my book is coming out August 31st. 
I can't tell you how excited I am about this. Cover reveal and title coming soon, probably around March or April. Maybe maybe I'll roll it out for my birthday, April 15th. And another reason that this is going to be awesome is because there's going to be an opportunity for you to meet other women in your area safely. I know it's still COVID times, but I decided to do something that I've thought about doing for a while because... I know how difficult it can be to meet other women who love personal development as much as you do. You might have your friends and acquaintances and maybe some of them or most of them just really aren't into it. And that's fine, but it's really nice to have people that you can talk about what self-help books you're reading or what podcasts you love and just have these sort of deeper conversations about things that matter so much to you. So stay tuned for that. I cannot wait to roll all of that out to you very, very soon. All right, today's guest. Heather has been a guest on the show before. I adore her. She's one of my favorite Canadians, and I've been on her show as well. She has a book that is out, and she has such an incredible story. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Heather Chauvin is a leadership coach who helps ambitious, overwhelmed women conquer their fears and become leaders at work and home. Drawing from her professional experience as a social worker and her life experience raising three boys, Heather created a signature approach to help her clients create and enjoy sustainability, profitability, and ease in business and life. She is the host of the Mamas in Control podcast, where she reveals her most vulnerable truths about womanhood, marriage, parenting, living through stage four cancer, and running a successful business without burning out. She's releasing her first book in in 2021. When Heather isn't busy driving her boys to hockey practice, you can find her curled up on the couch next to her husband planning their next family adventure. So without further ado, here is Heather. <laughs> Heather, welcome back I'm to the here. show. We made it, Andrea. Thank you. Yeah. We made it. We made it to 2021. We made it to you actually having this book. And I'm so excited because you and I were talking mm-hmm. about this a long time ago, how you were ready to write it. I said, go for yeah. it. Yeah. As I tell Go everyone. for it. Thanks for the permission. <laughs> you have a book. <laughs> yes. It was, I waved my magic wand and here we are. No, you did all of the work and this book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, How I Dropped the Guilt and Took Control of My Parenting and My Life. It actually, well, this is coming out a few days before it actually drops, but pre-orders are available. And I I, I think I want to kick it off with the question that that so many people, I always wonder, especially when people write a book that is large, is a large part of their own personal story. So the question becomes, why did you, why did you feel the need to write this book? I ask myself that too. I do. Um, (laughs) To be honest, I did not want to. It was a desire. You know, those little inklings, those things inside of you that just keep tapping at you. Um, that was there for me for 15 years of like, you're going to write a book someday. And I'm like, no, I hate writing. That's awful. I do not identify as a writer. I don't want to spend my time writing. I'm even happy to get in that creative process, but it, it, it got dark at times. And then also, you know, I had the privilege of, um, you and I having conversations and it, again, 
is just in alignment with the freaking book because it's like you have to find the path that works for you and how that's going to feel for you and what exactly you want to that to look like and to trust the process. But I'll tell you this story and I don't think I tell it in the book. I dedicated my book to my grandmother because you and I, well not you and I, but we've been I've been saying I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. I got closer and closer and closer to it. And I was actively looking and nothing was working. And I'm like, am I going to go traditional, non-traditional? What's going to happen? The book wasn't written yet. And my mother passed, my mother, my grandmother passed on November 1st, 11, right? 111. And it's 111 my time Mm -hmm. right now. Is that creepy? Uh, My my son was born on 111. (laughs) And I became a mother on 111, pretty much. And... When she passed, my grandmother raised three boys. I'm raising three boys. My grandmother had cancer when she was around 30. I had cancer when I was around 30. Um, She survived. She lived to 86. And the last time I spoke to her, and this is, hopefully I won't cry. Every time I say this, I cry. Exactly. exactly. Um, The last time I spoke to her, I told her I was writing the book and she was like, that's amazing, honey. She was so sweet and peaceful. And she said, I tried so many times to write my story and I just couldn't get it out. I hope I'm around and I'll read your book or I'll stay around to read your book. And after that, after she died, I just realized, what am I waiting for? Like make a freaking decision. You have options, make a decision. If you had to make a decision today, what would you do? So my grandmother inspired the shit or get off the pot moment. Wow. So she just passed away this she year, passed, in 2020? She passed two years. It was 2019. Yeah. Oh, so okay, 2019. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you mentioned having cancer and that is, you opened the book with yeah. that story. And so- I didn't realize that later you found out it was stage four. Like, tell it, tell us the story. I know you told it, I think you told it briefly on the last time you were here, but it's been like three yeah. years since you've been on the show. So, so tell us. Yeah. About so that. seven years ago, I was diagnosed with a stage four Burkitt's lymphoma. And previous to that, I, I was, I had my business. People think this whole book was about, uh, cancer. And I'm like, listen, I did the mentoring. I did the coaching. I used to be a social worker in my previous life. And then I shifted into coaching. And when I started my business, everything was focused on the child, parent-child relationship. And yet women would come to me and say, "Um, I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I can't implement this, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, all right, we got this. My youngest was a year old. So I have three boys. He was a year old. I was in the active you know, building phase, I bought into the hustle mentality, you know, do not give to yourself, put yourself last on your to do list. If you do anything for yourself, if you listen to any of the signs and symptoms of what your body and your soul and your life are craving from you, you are a selfish human being. So I I drank that Kool-Aid like hardcore. And my abdomen was swollen. And I thought one, my body's still recovering from childbirth a year later, two, Um, I was like, Oh, you're one of those people you need to like be gluten-free now. So just be gluten-free. And that felt overwhelming because I didn't want to go to the doctor. I didn't have time for that. And it got to the point where, and I show a picture of it in the introduction. It it looks like I'm pregnant and 
Yeah. Yeah. And it was these tumors that were growing in my abdomen and they just blew up very, very quickly. That picture was taken, I think the day before I started chemo. Um, but it was just, it was slightly swollen in around October, September, October. So finally I go to the doctor in December, actually the emergency room. And the first time I go to the emergency room, (laughs) guess what I did? I left. I was like, you are not qualified to be in this room. You, you are not broken. You're, you know, you're not bleeding. You're not an emergency. Why are you here? Why are you here? And I showed up like that. The nurse that, you know, checked me in. She's like, why are you here? I'm like, I have abdominal bloating and mild back pain. And she's like, really go, go home and take a shit. Like, why are you here? Um, so I sat there and I talked myself out of being in the room, went home, my husband uh, demanded that I go back. So he brought me back the next day. And he's like, we're not leaving until somebody sees you. And I had a CT on my abdomen and blood work. And on the spot, like within a few hours, she's like, Heather, you have cancer. We just have no idea what kind it is. But based on your you know, the CT, it's showing tumors all over the place. Your blood work is out of whack. Um, it's cancer. And I was like, you're lying. But then there was this deeper part of me that it was like confirmation. Like I knew, I knew I was sick and Mm -hmm. I was running away from it by avoiding taking care of myself because I was afraid. Holy shit. Okay. And so you had a baby at the time and you were actually 27. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I think I was a hundred when I came out of the womb. I'm a very old soul. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Evolved. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till Unreal. I'm like midlife, to be honest with you. I I love that. I Cause like for so long, you and I were friends mm-hmm. and I thought you were my age and I am like practically old enough to be Well, if mom. you were like <laughs> 10. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you are definitely an old soul. And I just, I, 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 to me, it's like a head explosion that you talked yourself out. Like you disqualified yourself from Mm -hmm. actually being there. But I think that points to everything you were saying and how you felt like you didn't have time. And, and, and also, and and I feel like you were pointing to this, but tell me if I'm wrong, that you were kind of trying to run away away from it. So was that in a way, a form of denial? You also Oh, severe denial. And then I put my children in front of me as the excuse, right? I'm a mother and it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. I got feedback like, yeah, you're exhausted. You're a mother. Um, Yeah, you're chronically fatigued. You're a mother. Like nobody ever actually considered my health. It was my signs and symptoms were because of motherhood. Yeah. All right. So fast forward, you, it sounds like it, you went through like a major personal development (laughs) workshop going through that process. And, um, you learned a lot on the other side. And I know that you, you are a student of this work and continue to learn. So I'm curious about your spiritual journey. Were you a spiritual person before that? Or did you change through this process (laughs) or or what happened? I'm giggling because So I grew up Roman Catholic and every time 
I, so, you know, I, I fell into the trap of I'm a horrible human. I've like shame, 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 guilt, all of Lots that. Of shame and guilt. So mm-hmm. I ran away from the word God as much as I possibly could. And I started subscribing to universe and angels and anything personal development or spiritual. I was always interested in that realm. Um, but I didn't really use it as my guidepost. And previous to getting sick, I did all, I had the coaches. I did, I attended the retreats. I meditated. I drank the green juice. I went to yoga. I took the workshops, didn't really talk to angels, but I used universe a lot, right? Like universe, that was my something bigger. Mm -hmm. And when I got sick, so at the hospital, when I was walking out, I just stopped and looked up and it was raining. And I tell the story in the book, but it was raining. My husband's walking ahead of me where I live. It should have been snowing. It was in like the middle of winter, but it was raining. And I just looked up and I was like, you finally have my attention. And I always say, I didn't know who or what I was talking to, but I'm like, God, universe, source, angels, something fine. I surrender. Like I completely surrendered. Um, and I had some really weird, cool, awesome things happen to me during treatment as well. Like weird shit. That was amazing. And so healing. Um, and now when I see things like one, 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 or, um, I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path. And it's always when I'm doubtful or when I'm questioning myself, um, or when I'm afraid and I've truly stepped into the state of trust and trusting the desire, trusting those, what I call breadcrumbs, like the little whispers inside of you, like that's the path you should take. And then the human ego comes in and, um, I just, you know, I'm wide open to possibilities and I love learning from different cultures and religions and like openness to something bigger. Um, but I def- I definitely have more trust than I used to. Well, that was, that was my next question is, was there a moment, I'm sure for anyone who gets diagnosed with cancer, especially before they know all of the details and the, you know, the prognosis, did, did you, were you, did you have that fear that you were going um, to die? Yes. Like one of the first things I thought I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm in fear. Right. And I can't back out of it. I can't run away from this. It's there. I have to face it. Um, so I kept taking the steps and there was, I actually remember listening to Abraham Hicks. What was it? It was like a meditation on your body can heal itself. And I remember listening to it in the early days when I was diagnosed, it was a 15 minute meditation. And I almost had it on 24 hours a day in my ears while I was doing everything else, taking care of my kids, driving, whatever. Um, and it was like, your body is intelligent. It can heal itself. And I was like, you're a liar. No. And I watched myself. And then all of a sudden there was this click of like surrender. Okay. 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 Like surrendering to the fear. Um, but fast forward, there was a night when, um, there were two, there's two stories that I tell, but there was one specific night where I was home, um, in between treatment and I woke up panicked in fear, went into the bathroom and, tried to like shove my tears, right? We do that (laughs) as women, shove my tears. I don't want anybody to know that I'm sad. I don't want to wake up or disturb anybody. And 
Exactly. And I was crying in fetal position on the floor. And I just remember feeling like I'm going to die. 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 It was just, it was crippling me that night. And I was like, face it. Okay. If you're not going to die, what are you? And I kept telling myself, you're not dead yet. You're not dead yet. Like in this moment, Heather, you are not dead. Okay. If you are not dead, what's the opposite of dying? I'm like living. Okay. So how do you feel alive? And then I realized that I was not terrified of dying. I had no freaking clue how to feel alive. No clue. And that was terrifying. I'm interrupting this conversation to tell you a few words about one of our sponsors. 2020 was a lot, right? And we could all benefit from less stress and more sleep in our lives. One of the things that helped me profoundly in 2020 and even well before that was the Calm app. Calm has a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and over 100 sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry, Kelly Rowland, and Laura Dern. My favorites are under the meditation section, and it's the emotions category. There's meditations for easing depression, anxiety, for staying on track, mindful eating, and so many different helpful meditations. Over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take Take care of their minds and get better sleep. And when you relieve anxiety and improve sleep, you feel better in every part of your life. I'm so excited to partner with Calm because for listeners of this show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash kickass. When they told me 40% off for my listeners, I was like, dang, that is a great Deal. I'm so grateful for that. It's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com slash kickass. That's calm.com slash kickass. And thank you for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. I, I want to kind of shift gears just slightly and and go into some of the the tools and exercises that you take people through in this book. Um, can you talk to us about the million dollar minute concept? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where did that come from? I have no idea. And okay. I thought maybe like you had this magical download, like on the bathroom floor one day. Well, I don't remember. I really don't oh, okay. remember. And I'm, I'm like, did I take it from, like, did I hear it from somebody? Who do I give credit to? Um, I have no idea, but it's kind of like that moment where, you know, you can have all of the money in the world and you can generate more money, but time is limited and it's finite. Yeah. And if you realize, so I kept telling myself if every 60 seconds of your life is worth a million dollars, are you satisfied with your investment? So I'll give you an example. Somebody sends me a message and says, would you like to go for a coffee, tea, walk in COVID? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Pandemic outside. Let's go for a walk. It's legal. Whatever. Awesome. I ask myself if this walk, right? 20 minute walk. Is it worth $20 million to you? Is that person going to in alignment right now with what you need? Or do you always feel like the person is sucking you dry when you're, you know, when you leave? Are you going to feel lit up or are you going to feel like you shrunk a little bit? 
And so now I start to ask myself these questions or just these little tiny things where people are asking things from you. How are you like, I don't want to use say batching your time, but just paying attention. I catch myself all the time. I'm scrolling on Instagram. I'm like, is this worth $20 million Mm -hmm. to you? Is this worth $5 million? And I just kind of like, no, okay, stop. What is go play Legos with the kids, go read a book, go take a bath, go do something else, take a nap, go take a Mm -hmm. nap, put the phone away, do something else. And it just, it gets me out of this. I don't have enough time. And into this, if I was investing my time in alignment with what I wanted, where would I refocus my energy and attention? I've never heard that tool. I love it so much. I'm going to adopt it and I'll give you credit. And then I'll tell people, we don't know who the ghost is that (laughs) that thought of this. Exactly. I I love that. And how how many different choices would we make? And yeah, I'm not scrolling through Instagram anymore, but it's TikTok, which is so much more entertaining Mm. than... um, in my opinion, as far as the social media platforms are. But I, the reason I threw in take a nap is because I have started to really listen to my body. And you've always been such a big, um, someone that I admire that does this so well. And, you know, I know it comes partly because of, you know, the, the hard life lesson that you had to learn, but even right before we got on the phone and I was, I was sharing with you that I started my period this morning and the first day of my period <laughs> kicks my ass up and down the street. And I had an hour before you and I were going to get on the phone and I have this to-do list of things to do. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can knock out a couple of these things. And I sat at my desk and I, got nothing accomplished because I just had like my head in my hand and I just like my eyes were heavy. And I thought to myself, you know what, Andrea, go lay down, Mm -hmm. go lay down for 15 minutes. If I fall asleep, I'll just tell Alexa to wake me up and it'll be fine. And I, I did, I just lay down for a few minutes and I feel so much better. And so to me, that was worth what would have been $15 million because <laughs> I went yeah. down for 15 minutes because it, it allowed me to come to this conversation, not feeling like I just got beat up. Yeah. And think about how much more, right? We have to think of the value add, not the takeaway, not the actual investment of what we're quote unquote losing. Because like you said, you're like, I have this big to-do list. I need this hour. No, you're not even doing it. So why don't you take the nap? Right. Exactly. That was the main point. And it, it's not going anywhere. It's not an emergency. No one's going to, you know, the police aren't going to come pounding my door down. No. They've got better things to do, especially here in the United States right now. But it just, exactly. it's, I love that you said that, that it, um, that it's the value add. Like I am a better human. I am a better podcaster. I'm a better friend to you if I can come as my best self. Exactly. And I love that. Even to ping off of that, why are we giving our power away to a piece of paper and a list? Mm -hmm. Like, I have so much to do. I'm like, yeah, me too. Don't we all? Mm -hmm. Who's in control here? Yeah. I also like to shift perspective. Like if we could just take this, this whole lesson one step further in that sometimes I might, I might beat myself up for, I'll say something like, oh, it's just my period. You know, it's, it, I can plow through, I can do it. And so the perspective shift might look, might look like, you know what? I've been menstruating for like 30 years. Like how amazing is that? That mm-hmm. my body still at 45 years old thinks that I can thinks that I want to have children and is like ready for it. Like that's incredible. So sometimes even just that 
gratitude shift is can change everything. And I don't know. I have found that it does. It takes a lot of work. I love that you're like, my body thinks I still want to have children. This is hilarious. Um, It is hilarious. There is a lot of that, but it's also like, wow, it's been doing this for how long? And I still haven't learned the lesson to listen. That's a lot of days menstruating. Yes. Yeah. You're like, you're here again. It's like Christmas when you haven't like, you know, financially prepared for what? What happened? You're like, already? you're like, yes, it happens every year. The holidays, birthdays, <laughs> menstruation, like what's going That's on? How it works. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, but you, you also talk about in the book about these, these three zones and it's like a stoplight, red, yellow, and green zones. Can, so can you explain those and then how they can be used in people's lives and at work. So we have a small amount of the listenership who are entrepreneurs. Most of them are nine to fivers or stay at homers. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us about the zones. So I like to you, I like to just, and I don't know where this, I got this either. It's the zones of regulation. You could probably Google that and find it, but just visualize a stoplight, right? We know what to do with the red. We know what to do with the yellow. We know what to do with the green. I think of human behavior the exact same way. You cannot solve any problems when you are either in a state of red or you are living in a state of red. So this is when a child is having a tantrum and you are like, stop it. Don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Why are you doing that? The child's losing their mind. Let them be in their red. Just let the emotion process. Then in the green zone, when the child is calm again, you're saying, okay, what happened earlier? right? And if they go from green to red, you have to be like, okay, we'll have this conversation again when we're both calm. And, but we don't realize that we have different states and zones in our lives of emotional regulation and the way that we're living. Example, my physical body was in a state of red. I was living from that place. And yet I'm like, why don't I feel amazing? Why don't I feel alive and energized? I had no healthy habits. I wasn't practicing them. Um, I was reading the books and listening to the podcast, but I wasn't invested in actually living in a, in a green zone. Um, and then there's this beautiful yellow zone where everyone pretends that they don't have. And they're like, I don't know. I just... One day I was in green, the next day I was in red and, or my child's behavior, they just go from green to red. Like, listen, this is that all or nothing mentality. This is the go-getter. This is the, you know, bulldozer. We need to slow down and to be mindful and to pay attention. Before you got cancer, Heather, there were signs and symptoms. What was your yellow zone? Oh yeah, that was probably going on for like a year or two. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just wasn't paying attention. Oh, you know, when your son throws toys across the room or screams bloody murder or wants to rip all his clothes off because he has sensory processing, what does he do in his yellow zone? Oh, this. Okay. Can you solve a problem in the yellow zone? Like something as simple as trying to get out the door in the morning, you know, back in the day when everyone left the house. And I would just lose my mind when my, when my kids were younger. And I'm like, what is this issue? Why are we always in the red? What's going on? Well, I wasn't preparing anything. And we would argue about damn socks. And I'm like, okay, I got it. So now the night before, what socks are you wearing? Let's actually put them on your feet so they feel good. You don't like all these socks? Okay, cool. I'm throwing them all away and I'm going to the store tonight 
so that I can buy 20 pairs of your favorite socks. Awesome. Got it. Socks. There Mm -hmm. you go. There you go. Next morning, seamless morning, seamless morning. (laughs) It's like solve your problems in the yellow zone, figure it out. Try to stay consistent with your healthy, healthy habits in the green and you, you do not go in the red as much. Yeah. We call those systems over here. People don't like systems. Yeah. I, I, and it's, it's amazing to me how I, I typically find that I don't realize how red things had gotten yeah. until we come up with a system that works better. And sometimes, you know, they ha- they need to be adjusted, but I have found, and you know, who taught me that lesson? My friend that doesn't have children. <laughs> <laughs> She, she has systems with her husband and it's just how things go. They, they had to start the system because they have dogs and, you know, like one person was resentful because the the schedule was different and that person walked the dogs more often, you know, and then was thus picking up poop and Mm -hmm. it was like dishwasher stuff, like things like that. So they came up with systems and they have a schedule. And I was like, that's kind of amazing. (laughs) Everybody should have that. So yeah, and I I look at that. And I feel like this is a constant evolution, right? So when people Mm -hmm. ask you the I'm gonna say dumb question of how do you balance it all? How do you do it do it all? And I just laugh because I'm like, you can't compare where I am today to where I was seven years ago to where anyone is. There your life is different, but it's beautiful in any aspect when you're shifting a system slightly, slightly the biggest relief. And mm-hmm. it just blows my mind. It does. Well, I, I want to stay on this subject and ask you one more question. And you sort of touched on it a few minutes ago and you talk about energetic time management. So is this, is this the same as what you were talking about the, the million dollar minute or is this different? So this is something that I coined um, post cancer when I was trying to find a system um, because I am such a, creative thinker, but there is that like practical side of me. That's like, give me the step-by-step, but that's not how I live my life. Like I don't need everything to be perfect, Um, but I needed like a step-by-step. So it's reverse engineering how you want to feel. And I fell in love with like the desire map and Danielle Laporte, but I'm like, I got to bring this down. Like how, show me, show me, show me, show me. Right. Um, And it's managing your energy. I don't know why as women and humans, we think we're robots and that we don't, what's that meme around houseplants? I know you're, you love houseplants because I was asking you for advice during COVID. I was like, I'm like, what kind of plant is that? But we think we don't need sunlight. We think we don't need water. We think we don't need nurturing to grow, right? We're just this like box that doesn't matter. And the thing that you're after has a feeling attached to it, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you want more time? Why do you want more space? Why do you want more money? Why do you want that vacation? Um, Why do you want whatever you want? Ask yourself about the feeling. So Mm -hmm. for me, going back to the bathroom floor, when I was like, I want to feel alive, I want to feel alive. And I was terrified because I didn't know what that felt like. That's where I really started reverse engineering how I wanted to feel. And you're going to laugh at me, but I'm like, what do people who look alive do? Like happy people, like what do they do? And I started noticing, I was observing. I think that's a legitimate question. I wouldn't laugh at that. Well, when you start, so I would yeah. watch people walking and I'm like, why would you walk 
That is so boring. That is so boring. Run, do something. Why would you walk just down the same street every day? Who does that? And then I had these, I, you know, I'd watch people, this is back before like Instagram was cool. So I'm like, okay, people go to a cafe. They spend way too much money on a latte and they bring a journal. Okay. I'm going to try that. Oh my gosh. I remember the first time I did that and I just cried and cried and cried. And I'm like, this is not feeling alive. I feel like shit. I feel so guilty right now. But what I didn't realize is one, we are addicted to like instant gratification, right? So Mm -hmm. if it doesn't make me feel alive, I'm not going to do it again. But what I didn't realize is that my cup was so full of guilt that I had to dump out the guilt before I could feel how I wanted to feel. And so this process of energetic time management, managing your energy, the actions that you're taking on a daily basis to feel the way you want to feel, sometimes it's an emotional poop. You got to feel the discomfort before you feel the good stuff. Yes. Oh my gosh. I have so many things I want to tag onto that. And I, I know you and I talked about guilt the last time you were on the show. We'll, we'll drop that link in the show notes. And for me personally, and I don't know if you have a different take about this or not, but I just have found that I surrender to the guilt and I always have a little bit of it. It's especially just as a mother um, and maybe just only as a mother, but I have found that it just kind of comes with the quote unquote job. And once I just accepted it, I was it went way down. I just was like, oh, okay. It just, I made it not wrong or bad. And I also maybe shift the perspective of my guilt is also tied to my worry, which is totally normal as a mother. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like, I just shrug and, and I'm like, it just comes with the job and it doesn't take over my life. It doesn't make me feel terrible. And that that's been helpful for me. Um, the other thing I wanted to, to tag on is, is I think I know why we do that. (laughs) I think as women, we do it because that's how we've been conditioned. (laughs) We have been conditioned to be selfless, to be uber productive, to uh, do it without making any mistakes or complaining and making everybody else more comfortable. This is my third book. Like I, I go off about it and basically... I'm talking about how we need to unlearn that, that conditioning and socialization that we have all received. Yeah. Patriarchy. Angry. Yeah. (laughs) It's, well, I feel like once your eyes are open to it and everyone's like, I just feel so guilty. I'm just like, oh my gosh, why, why, why do you let that Who made up that? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Feel the guilt. But here, you know, I'm curious your thoughts on this. The wellness space, self-help, feel the fear and do it anyways. Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about guilt unless it's a woman. And there's no, I don't see a lot of guilt memes. Feel the guilt and do it anyways. (laughs) Maybe we should make one. But seriously, (laughs) seriously. And and people associate guilt different than fear. I'm like, it's, I feel like it's just fear wearing a mask. Um, you feel like that guilt is fear wearing a mask in some capacity. I feel like fear can be manipulative. Yes. And maybe I have, because I've done so much work on shame resilience, which is related to guilt, not Mm -hmm. the same thing, but it's related. I also think that that has 
upped my tolerance for it. Mm. And I don't, I think one of the biggest things that's helped to me and that I really heard when you were talking about when you changed your life, when you went to the coffee shop and got the journal and were interested in desire map, like that's you just getting really curious about what's next and what's possible for you. I think curiosity without attachment can truly change our life. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's what to me, that's what you did. That's what I encourage people to do. And so for me, I just got curious about my guilt. Like who made this up? Who, who benefits from me being guilty? Certainly not me. No, my children possibly like if it's from a protection standpoint, like if my my guilt helps them stay protected, maybe, but it's definitely not the same thing. Like they're not mutually exclusive. And I, I just, I think that, um, it, this is an interesting conversation. Like I, I just, I think it's probably a bigger one than we have time for, but to extrapolate that, I, I just, again, I just want to underscore that my life changed once mm-hmm. I decided. And I think it was in an interview several years ago, someone asked me, how do you get rid of the guilt? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't. And that's part of the problem. It's like, we feel like it needs to be black or white. We feel like we need to completely get rid of our lack of self-confidence before we go after the thing. We think we need to be completely feel amazing in our body before we initiate sex with our partner. You know, and it's like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. It's like, I would love for you to be on the way. I would love for you to be working on it. And that's how I feel about guilt. I, I have gotten rid of a lot of it. Like I don't feel guilty anymore when I leave to travel for work. And I used to, Mm -hmm. especially when my kids were littler. Um, I I miss them, but like, to be honest, I really love being away from them. (laughs) Well, like you said, be mad at my mom if she said that about me. (laughs) Exactly. And it's really about, like you said, being living in a place of curiosity. Like, why do I do this? Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. Um, I was riddled with guilt and it's, I still have it like sometimes, but I'm like, is staying small or not taking that action benefiting my life or taking away from it? And that's just how I'm constantly thinking. Is this action or inaction going to benefit me or take away from? And because I know now that taking away from me is not taking away from anybody else. It's not. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for saying all that. And I also think that because about half my listeners, um, are child-free. And I also think that women feel guilt when they aren't working hard enough, when they're not doing enough for their partners, when they aren't doing enough for their girlfriends, when they're not being a good enough daughter. So I, I think guilt isn't just, it's just isn't reserved for motherhood. I think it's exacerbated, mm-hmm. but I just, the question that I ask myself of who is this benefiting or who is profiting from this feeling that I'm having has changed a lot for me. Ooh, that's that a good question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. really good question. I think question. I read that, especially the one around profiting around diet culture and asking yourself the question, who is profiting off of, you know, me wanting to buy this $150 wrinkle cream or lose 15 pounds before summer, et cetera, et cetera. Or the guilt-free as a marketing tactic, the guilt-free cookies. Right. Yeah. Are we supposed to feel guilty when we have cookies? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, um, you know what else I hate? Speaking of that, the term shameless plug. Mm. Women so have a hard enough time bragging about ourselves. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I have one last question for you. And I'm curious 
what do you want women to either walk away with having read your book or what do you want them to experience while reading it? One, I don't want you to feel like you have to do anything while reading my book. I want you to feel like you're just listening to or reading a good story um, and that you're not alone in the world and to act on whatever you feel called to act on in your life. Um, I've committed my life. First, it was just becoming. I want to become. I didn't want to feel like crap anymore. And then when I was diagnosed, I didn't want to die. And I went on this journey. And now it's, I just want to be a role model. I want to be a role model and I want to give an essence of hope. So I just want you to know you're not alone um, and to enjoy to enjoy an actual read. There's nothing more annoying than feeling like you're failing when you're reading a self-help book <laughs> because you're not implementing it totally. um, or you're not following the steps or whatever that is. So just like you're, you know, we're having a warm cup of coffee together. Um, and I don't believe you have to kill off any part of yourself to be good in the world. I actually believe it's the complete opposite. So just slowly asking yourself, where am I discounting myself? Where am I, you know, crossing myself off the quote unquote to do list? And I'm using that in air quotes. Where am I numb and might not even know? And just giving yourself permission to be really curious of what do I want? What do I crave? What do I desire? And then having the courage to step into that and go after it. Yes, all of that. Dying to be a good mother. The link is in the show notes, everybody. Thank you so much for being here, Heather. I I always love a good conversation mm. with you. And remember, everyone, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. See you next time. 